Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, that was awesome. Who's got the bells? Yes. All right. Um, what's happening tonight? Kids, what's happening tonight? What? <laughs> what's happening tonight? What's happening tonight? Santa's coming. Wow, that's so exciting. Because it's Christmas time. Today's Christmas Eve. Tomorrow's Christmas. And this is a time where we have traditions. Now, I'm not going to have you show hands, but who isn't crazy about traditions? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. My wife is pointing at me. I know, boo, yes. Well, no, that's not true. I do like traditions. When I was a kid, the tradition we had on Christmas Eve, so this day, is we would go up to my grandma and grandpa's house, to their ranch, and we would spend the whole day there. We would tube, uh, we would try and work on an old snowmobile that never worked, and we'd get it working and we'd drive it for half an hour, and then dad would work on it for another half an hour. That's what we would do. We'd crash it into trees. We would uh, drink wassail, if you've ever had wassail, and, and then finally we would open up all the presents with the cousins and have a great time. Then we'd get in the car and we'd drive a half hour home. When we got home, we'd pretend to be asleep. So dad carried us inside and wait for Santa the next morning. Those were our traditions. Now, then I got married. And when I got married, the tradition became Christmas Eve service. And I had no idea so many people went to Christmas Eve services because I thought there was, you know, ranch stuff to do. <laughs> but the truth is, if you marry into the family I married into, you're going to Christmas Eve service whether you like it or not. <laughs> which, which caused me to do a little research this year of why so many of us go to Christmas Eve service? Why, why do we go on church to church on Christmas Eve? Because the, the Lifeway Research Center, they did a study last year that said today, Christmas Eve, two and a half times as many people will come to church as any other given Sunday. Two and a half times. So if a church like ours, you know, if, if normally you have 120 people, you're going to have 300 people or 250, whatever the math is. I don't know. I'm not a math guy. But today, a lot more people are going to come to church. And so I started doing some studies and looking at some of the research done as to why that's the case. And I was surprised. Honestly, I was surprised. Some come today because it's a good Christmas tradition. And if that's you, we're glad you're here. It's a good Christmas tradition. Thanks for coming. We're glad you're here. We have pretty lights, and this is a lot of fun. Some come to get in the spirit of Christmas. You know, that was one of the questions. Some come to get in the spirit of Christmas. But the vast majority come, some because it's tradition, but many come because for some reason they have this desire to worship Jesus. The majority that come on Christmas Eve, and this is surprising, come to, to connect with God, to worship for some spiritual reason. And so I got looking a little bit more. The studies show that here in this country, although we're getting more and more secularized, we know that. If we have kids in school, we know that. Still, almost 9 out of 10 Americans believe in God. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. You go walk on the street, you run into 10 people, 9 out of the 10 you run into claim to believe in God. But here's the other thing that almost all of them agree on. Almost all would, not all, but 50% but of those would, would also agree that there's a God and you must do something to appease that God in order to have eternal life and to get there. And so one of the big reasons, as I studied, that people come on Christmas Eve is to connect with God is because of this understanding that there's something about what we do to be right with God. And one of those things that we need to do is go to a Christmas Eve service, which if that's you, we're glad you're here. Awesome. But there's something about that that is 
opposite of the actual Christmas story. And so I want to look at the actual Christmas story this evening today of, of why do we celebrate Christmas? Because here's, here's the typical American understanding, and actually it's, it's actually fairly typical around the world. How does somebody be right with God? If there's a God, and like I said, nine out of 10 Americans believe there's a God. If there's a God, how do you be right with him? Most would say this, that there's a scale balancing your good and your bad. So if you do something bad, you cheat on a test, it weighs the scale a little bit in that direction. So you cheated on a test. Now you, uh, <laughs> you slept through church on a Sunday. There's another one against you, right? Yeah. And so it starts that way. So now you got to do something good. So now it's, uh, you know, I'm going to give a really good gift to my sister on Christmas. That's getting, you know, starting to even it out. Okay, uh, you know, I'm going to go volunteer at the food shelter on Thanksgiving. And so we start to do this, this weighing of our good is supposed to outweigh our bad. And again, most Americans, if you ask, is there a God? Nine out of ten would say yes. And over 50% of those would say, how do you be right with God? Your good deeds must outweigh your bad. So we can just go on with the list. You know, you, you, uh, you, stole, some, you stole a pack of gum when you were eight. Um, you, you spent some time online where you shouldn't have. You went to work, and instead of actually working on the computer, you did Tetris. <laughs> By the way, if you're under 20, Tetris was this really cool game that Nintendo had <laughs> where these pieces came down and you fit them together. It was really fun. And so you've got all these bad things, and you stack them up over here. And so, oh, it's out when. And hopefully, you can find enough good things. You got a whole tub of good things, and maybe you can fabricate some to maybe come over here and outweigh the other side. And as I studied Christmas Eve, one of those things that goes on this side is attending Christmas Eve service. One of the things to make God like you more, to earn points with God, is to attend on Christmas Eve. Or midnight mass gets you a lot of points from what I understand, because you should be asleep at that point. And so you've got this, you've got this, this scale, but you never know where you stand. How could you ever know exactly where you stand on the scale of good to bad? But the truth is that the Bible teaches something very different. Every religion in the world, let me tell you this, every single religion tells you what you need to, be, what, what you need to do to be right with God. Whether that's kill yourself among the infidels, whether that's meditate and attain nirvana, whether that's Christian religions too saying, attend church, do, obey the Ten Commandments, do these things. Every religion except for one true biblical Christianity. Every religion tells you it's a scale and you better do the right things. But the Bible teaches something different, something totally opposite of what the world teaches, something totally opposite from what every other religion teaches. And it teaches this, that rather than it being a scale, there you go, your sin is put on this side your sin. And the Bible says, Whoa. There, sorry. there's not a cat in there, I promise. <laughs> I don't like cats either. <laughs> what the Bible teaches is this, that it all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death. So here's what the Bible teaches. Everyone has sinned. And here's what happens to that scale. The sin outweighs completely. The Bible teaches if you have committed one sin, 
Here's what the scale looks like. It is so lopsided, it pokes through the ceiling on the other side. There is nothing you can do, the Bible teaches, to be right with God. Nothing you can do to earn your salvation. This is what is different about true biblical Christianity than every other religion out there. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness. Holiness means uh, uh, being set apart. Something that is holy is set apart for something good, set apart for God. Something holy is right with God. And it says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And Romans 3.10 says, no one is righteous or holy, not even one. So meaning, you have to be holy to see God, and you're not. That's the fact that the Bible teaches. You have to be perfect to be right with God, to attain salvation, to have eternal life. It's not about going and meditating long enough. It's not about attending. Good news. It's not about your church attendance. It's not about the thank you cards you write to grandma after Christmas. It's not about those things. You should do those things. Grandma, they'll do those things, I promise. (laughs) It's not about what you do. The Bible teaches something totally different. Like I said, for the wages of sin is death. But it also teaches this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Because the truth of Christmas is not that Santa's coming tonight, although that's cool. The truth of Christmas is not that we get to go skiing because that's fun too. The truth of Christmas is not that the family gets together and drinks wassail and eats pumpkin pie until they're fat and watch football, which that's good stuff too. The truth of Christmas is that there's nothing that we can do to be right with God, so God had to intervene. Have you ever thought about this in your life? I have. There's a God, I have to be right. What are the things that I have to do? And you live in constant stress and pressure and maybe you've sinned and maybe you've sinned in a bad way. Maybe you've done something, several things that nobody in this room knows about, and, and you're, you're trying to keep a straight face right now because you want nobody to know that that was you. Well, guess what? That's all of us. That's all of us. And those, that guilt weighs on us. If we're honest, that guilt weighs on us if, we, if you're realistic about sin in our lives. But God looked on and he said, I know that about you. God made you. In fact, in the Psalms, it said that he knit you together in your mother's womb that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That means that every single one of us in this room, even me, even John Rowe, we all were made by God on purpose for a purpose, artistically made inside our mother. I mean, science still can't explain all about what happens in a mother's womb because God is involved with that. God made us, he created us, and he did it for a relationship with him. He doesn't need us but he made us to be in relationship with him, which is a wonderful and beautiful thing. The problem is sin on that side. You can't see it because it's so heavy, but there's sin on that side, lifting this one up. Sin is what overcasts the side. Sin is what ruins our relationship with God. It started in the garden. And by by the way, it wasn't woman's fault. It was man's fault because he was there with her. But it started in the garden and the Bible's clear. It's passed to all of us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the good news, and here's why we celebrate Christmas. Here's why today is a day of worship and thanksgiving, because none of this matters. Not one good deed that you could do matters. 
It's not about your actions. Here's what it is about. Christmas, we celebrate a baby. (laughs) On Christmas, we celebrate that God sent his son. John 3.16, maybe this is the only verse you've ever memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so God took his son. He took his son. He put him on the scale. And that's what happened. God put his son on the scale, and sin cannot stand. The baby... (laughs) I'm not going to leave him on here. Mom, you want to come take your baby? (laughs) But you, you see the point there. God sent his son, and his son outweighed our sin. Your good deeds could do nothing. Your good deeds are these empty white boxes thrown on one side, but God gave his son, who was the heavy weight of perfect righteousness that outweighed your sin. Jesus was sinless. If you have read the... the the New Testament, and you've read about Jesus, his birth, his virgin birth, that's what we celebrate. That's not fiction. That's not a myth. Jesus was born to a virgin. Jesus lived perfectly. What is that like to have a perfect child? I don't know. (laughs) But, by the way, neither do my parents. (laughs) None of us know. But Jesus was a perfect child. And he grew up to be a perfect man. The Bible says he was tempted in everything like us, yet without sin. Every temptation you have encountered, Jesus did too, but he didn't sin, which meant that he could pay the price, which meant he could outweigh our sin by his blood on the cross. So at Christmas, we are not coming to to gather on Christmas Eve to get a point because our points with God are empty little boxes that mean nothing. Jesus came. We celebrate God becoming a man, coming here to save us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God left his throne, took on human flesh, and humbled himself. And he wasn't even a wealthy human. He was a poor human. He wasn't a good-looking human. The Bible talks about him. He He was uncomely. He was not a pleasant person to look at. So he came humble not wealthy. He lived in in pain. He suffered. He was beaten. Not just physically beaten. He was rejected by all his friends. And then he was nailed to a cross. God did that for us. And today, tomorrow, we celebrate the start of his intervention, the start of God coming on a rescue mission for us to save us. That's why we gather. So we're not here to earn anything, but we are here for a reason, a beautiful reason. The reason is this, we get to worship now. We're here to say thank you. We're here to lift up Jesus and to praise him because that's what this life is about. This life is about being right with God and then lifting him up and praising him, thanking him, and and letting our lives then fall in order with that. But our lives fall in order because we love him, not to earn anything. We then want to gather because we want to worship, not because we have to. We then want to do good things for others, not because we have to, but because we love Jesus and we're responding in that way. Jesus is the gift we didn't have to earn. 
And so that's why we're celebrating. And so we're going to continue to sing some songs. We're going to have another Advent reading. But I want you during this next 15, 20 minutes, think about what Jesus did for us and worship. Forget about all the presents. Forget about all that stuff for just a minute. And let's worship. I've been praying for today. And my big prayer has been this, that God would be glorified. My big prayer is that you and me from our hearts would say thank you to Jesus and he would hear it and it would be a fragrant aroma to him, a sacrifice of praise to him and he would be glorified. If you're here and this is new news to you, if you've never heard this or maybe this is the first time that you've understood it, you have an opportunity. While we're finishing up here, if you want to come, I'm going to be up here in the front. If you want to come say, if that's true, I want to know the details. Come talk to me. And I'll give you the details. If you're more comfortable on the back table there or as you came in, you, had a, you got a, a, a pamphlet coming in, fill out as much information as you're comfortable with on there. And on that, there's a box you can check. I want to know about salvation. What does it mean to be right with God? Check that. Put it in the box in the back on your way out and we'll get a hold of you. Because today when God intervenes, he's glorified and people get right with him. Let me pray and let's continue to worship. Lord Jesus Christ, Thank you. We're here because we love you. We are gathering in response to what you did. We're not gathering to earn. We're not gathering to, uh, to put anything in a notch for us, but we're gathering because we love you and we thank you so much. Holy Spirit, I ask that tonight you would be glorified, that you would glorify the Son, that you would glorify the Father as we finish in worship, as we finish thinking about you, and that tonight when we go home, and, and we spend some time with our families, then we go to bed and we wake up tomorrow, that we would remember that the best gift that we could ever get was your son. That we can be right with you, accepted, not just accepted, but adopted into your family and loved, not tolerated, but adored by you. That's amazing. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.